1: Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15%
2: off at borough.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone.
3: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. We don't want to do this podcast. The players almost certainly don't want to play. No one wants to play these games. Just toss a coin or something and be done with it. The inspirational words of Barry Glendenning way back on the 14th of June, 2023 i.e. yesterday try telling that to those indefatigable Croatians Luka Modric still standing scoring in the 116th minute against the Dutch to reach the final of the Nations League and then we're on to England Jude Bellingham signs for Real we'll look forward to that Jack Grealish is sober enough to train if you'd forgotten I had Scotland atop top of their group as all the home nations are in action over the weekend Paul Watson's here for Mongolia versus Vanuatu amongst others what a day for the fixture computer the Premier League games are out as we record we'll react live all that plus your questions and and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry Glendenning, welcome. Hello, hello, Mark Langdon. I'm Max, and hello, Paul Watson. Hello, uh, Jack says, how was that little break? Yes, a well-earned break as the season ended yesterday, and here we are.
4: More, more of a mini-retirement,
3: match. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. It was an 18-hour mini-retirement. Uh, Michael says, given the relentless schedule over the last three years, is anyone worried that the Football Weekly family might run out of questions to ask? And well, we very much hope not. Um, before we do, England and Jude Bellingham, it is the Nations League semi-finals. I confess I'd completely forgotten. That this was happening, um, but I woke up to a flurry of tweets about Luka Modric not being tired. Obviously, as uh, Croatia uh, won four two in the Netherlands. And the only highlights I could see were 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 sped up on Viaplay. I think it was just a problem with my computer. It sounded like Jim Proudfoot was on helium. It was absolutely <laughs> tremendous. And and like Perisic was running faster than he had all season because it was just whizzing around. Anyway. It, it was a great game, Mark.
5: It, it was, yeah. And I, I suppose one of the reasons maybe is that the Nations League isn't kind of, well, it's not as important as World Cup or European Championship. And we saw like in last week's Champions League final, the occasion can mean actually that, that the game isn't um as as brilliant, um, sometimes as you'd like, and I think the fact that there's less pressure, um, on the players and the managers actually can lend itself, um, you know, to just a better. I was going to say ninety minutes, but this, this was one hundred and twenty um, minutes. Uh, Croatia fully deserved the win, um, and you know just continue their remarkable record. Really, um, you know, for a country of that size to continually. Um, outperform um, you know with this golden generation it's a very attack minded team as you say with uh, Perisic playing left back uh, Juranovic have, um, you know, on the right hand side as well likes to get forward so um, it was definitely um, I, I think a victory for uh, Croatia's just th- their will to win um, as much as anything else and from the Netherlands point of view like the, the drop off from Lou van Gaal to Ronald Koeman is enormous
3: Sad for Ronald, isn't it? Uh, you know, he, he looked quite happy when they equalised in the last minute. Brian says, Have Croatia been naming the same starting 11 for the last 20 years? <laughs> it, it feels like it, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, Paul, if you caught this game.
0: Uh, I actually only watched the highlights, but it, what really came through was just how much better Croatia were, to be honest. I mean, before the Netherlands got that like last, last gasp equaliser, 2 1 was a fair reflection, but. You know Croatia just had chance after chance, and in extra time that kind of got even more marked really rather than getting tired. They were actually felt like they could have played another twenty or thirty minutes on top they they had the ball in the net again, like it was they really did just ease through after that and um. Yeah, Ronald Koeman's having a bit of a miserable return. I, I always think he, he looks like a bit of a miserable appointment anywhere, Koeman, with the greatest respect to him. He's he's not a person who excites you when he comes in. And he came in with the Netherlands, a lot of quite negative press conferences, and then loses 4-0 to France, and now they've lost this. And yeah, I, I think, to be honest, Croatia, very deserving of the win. And uh, it was a real gulf between them, really,
4: in my opinion. Quite heartening from a, a Republic of Ireland perspective, because... They're obviously in our qualifying group. So uh a Netherlands under Koeman with a huge drop-off from Louis van Gaal is exactly what the doctor ordered, I think. They'll play
3: the winners of Italy and Spain who played tonight. We'll of course cover that on on Monday. Maybe the final on Sunday, is it, Mark?
5: It is, yeah. And and the um the third-fourth playoff. I know you'd you'd be desperate to watch.
3: Well, the third-fourth playoff of the nations. I wonder actually, if you know you sort of said that there is less pressure on this. I was thinking when I was watching this. You know, uh, Jim Proudfoot. He works every day, as far as I can tell. <laughs> Jim Proudfoot. Um, I was thinking, you're right. You're so right about the, you know, the pressure being off this game. Do you think in a? Do we just have to wait a hundred years and the Nations League will have the pressure of the World Cup? Or can it never? Or, or like, will it? Will it? Will its importance increase, or is there just no space for it?
5: I I don't see it um, growing. To the levels of the European Championship and the World Cup, I I think that if anything, you know, the general kind of football fan, their interest in international football is probably and and it's not the same everywhere. But I would say for the, for the major nations, um, that it it's kind of less important, obviously, and so to have a third competition, um, you know, it just makes it very difficult, um, to to force that upon people. And, you know, maybe in, in 20, 30 years, if there's this illustrious list of names, um, you know, th- th- then you might want to to win it. But I think it's very difficult to establish uh, a competition um, like this. And they keep changing the rules as well um, in, in the UEFA one we've had. Um, you know, it, it's quite difficult, I think, for anybody to just keep up with, you know, what the format is. And that doesn't help. Um, I know, obviously, European Championship and World Cup have increased in numbers, but the... The the general premise is is the same, and um, you know you've had releg- teams that have been relegated, but then they've not been relegated because they've they've changed the rules on how many teams they want in the top tier. That um, I don't think is going to help um, grow it. I would say.
4: Just think, an awful lot of people in and, and I mean football fans just don't know what it is. Still, <laughs> they're just having a clue, yeah. and. I understand how it works. And I'm very much in my local pub. I'm in a minority of one, I think. And I've had to explain to people what it is. And it's really difficult to explain to people what it is. And you, you literally see them like their eyes glaze over about... How many times in your local pub has it got to
3: tell me how the Nations League works, Barry? Like like <laughs> all the conversations to get through before that is the one. Unless you sit in a chair with Nations League Oracle <laughs>
2: above <laughs>
3: my head, come to me for <laughs> yeah. all Nations League based... Queer. Who's that? Oh, that's Barry. He
4: like knows about the Nations point. League. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I love, I love that. Everyone has one particular field of expertise. In, in my local, there's a lot of tradesmen, you know, so if you mm-hmm. want a, if you have a plumbing issue or electrical issue or carpentry issue where you need a wall <laughs> laid blocks laid for a wall, there's someone who can help you. I'm obviously utterly unskilled at anything, so that's my niche. I, I can explain <laughs> the nation's league. So, say if, if I need a new window put in, I'll get Troy to come and do that, and in return, rather than paying money, I'll explain <laughs> the Nations League <laughs> to. It's 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 like a barter
0: system. Do you have, like, an emergency Nations League service? Like, can people, like a plumber, can you be called in for, like, emergency? like, what the yeah. hell's going on? Why, why are the Netherlands playing tonight? Yeah. Uh,
4: <laughs> yes, but it costs an awful lot of money.
3: 24-out like. <laughs> call-out. 24-out call-out for... Uh, Uh, an Emergency Nations League explainer Um, and what's great is we've talked about that but we haven't actually explained it so that's really useful people might actually come to this if you want to know what it is go to Barry's Local look for the man in the armchair the bespectacled man in the armchair well let's talk about England they go to Malta uh, which is a lovely spot isn't it for a holiday nice trip to Valletta Jude Bellingham not going to be there Uh, he's pulled out uh, as have a couple of others Um, uh, but he has joined Real Madrid so on balance, still quite a good week for him. Uh, uh, 88.5 million pounds, uh, 103 million euros, six-year deal. Thank you to everyone at Borussia Dortmund and to the fans for everything over the past three years. He said, "Even though I look forward to my next destination, I will never forget the journey there." Once a Borussia, always a Borussia. All the best for the future. Um, Mark, we knew it was going to happen. It's tantalising, isn't it? And also really, um, okay. Let's start with him and how he fits into Real Madrid before you start thinking who else they might add. To make this team look really quite exciting,
5: yeah. Obviously, you know, at some stage they do need to freshen up that that midfield. They keep on, um, you know, buying the players to do it. Kamavinga, Too Many, now um, Duke Bellingham. They had Odegaard Gard um, as well, and couldn't find uh, you know a space for him uh, because Modric, Crows um, were doing so well. I think that game against Manchester City um, might have just been, you know. Uh, if Ancelotti needed one last push that it needed to change, that might have been the game uh, that did it. I, I can see him going there and being a huge success. Um, he has just grown not only as a player, but also as a leader for Borussia Dortmund, somebody that... Carried their fight, um, you know, for, well, it was unsuccessful in the end and maybe his late season injury was just one of those things that they couldn't uh, overcome because, um, like I say, it's not just the brilliance that he provides on the pitch, but he, for somebody so young, for the rest of the players to start looking to him and him being kind of did this figurehead almost for, for the Borussia Dortmund team is... It's quite rare and it's very difficult, I'd imagine, for you know a non-German player th- at that age to be able to, or you know, in, in a foreign country to be able to do that. Um, I, I think is quite remarkable, just as a character. Um, you know, never mind um, just how good he is as a footballer. Um, yeah, would have no doubts about his ability to play for Real Madrid. I think he's somebody that um, will sort of like to get forward and play. You know, I suppose. Um, whether it's like as an attacking eight, really, rather than a, a ten, but he's just—he's made for the modern game. His technical ability is fantastic. He's got a, a brilliant engine. Um, doesn't look like he's got too many weaknesses. And um, I was just a bit surprised that a Man City was supposed to be in for him. I was a bit surprised he didn't um, want to go to Manchester City. And not you know Real Madrid obviously is a great attraction. Maybe it's the fact that you know if Pep Guardiola leaves in two years. You you do wonder just kind of what that would mean for the dynamics of City. And maybe he just feels like, you know, that there'll be other opportunities maybe to come back to England uh, another time. But I'm really excited to see him at at Real Madrid. And for the England national team, if you're thinking about the Euros, I mean, he's going to be such an important player.
3: Do you think he'll go straight I mean, you've seen Camavinga turn up and then go to fullback. back hasn't sort of naturally started, you know, hasn't come into the starting eleven all the time. And that's obviously because... Cruz, Modric and, until recently, Casemiro, were still good and are still good. But do you see Bellingham as, where's he fit in those? He's a slightly different player to those two, I guess.
5: Yeah, I think he might be the one that that forces Modric um, out of the, the starting 11. Um, Modric was a yeah, great game for Croatia last night, but there has been talk about him maybe um, you know, joining one of the Saudi clubs. I must admit, I wouldn't know. The difference between one from any of the others, they just call them the Saudi clubs. Um, so he he might go um there, and I also think from from Tony Crowe's point of view, I'm not sure he's influence on the, the the big games has been what it was. So I yeah I, I think that um that the Bellingham gets in almost immediately, and Camavinga has also um let it be known that he doesn't see himself as a, a left back. So I I do think it will be a different Real Madrid probably um that, that turns up so when we get to the business end of next season's champions league
3: so england play malta tomorrow night and north macedonia on monday night uh paul i look to you for maltese and north macedonian expertise is that is that fair for me to do
0: yeah i mean i guess i've i've sort of set myself up for that haven't i um no i mean mm. i i know a, a bit about about malta i think We kind of know what kind of game this is going to be. I don't think you need a a degree in Maltese football to sort of work out the kind of fix to the series. See, how
3: disappointed my parents would be if I said, I'm going to do a degree in Maltese. That's my choice, Dad. With a
0: Maltese language module in there, because they do have an amazing language, absolutely incredible language when you see it.
3: In what sense?
0: uh, It has loads of X's and K's in it, and I can't even figure out, how you can start saying things. It's um, absolutely amazing language. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I would say that Malta is one of those ones that in the old days, we look, used to look, maybe look at Malta as one of the real, you know, thrashing fixtures. And over time, like a lot of nations, a bit like to a lesser, they're a lesser extent, but Luxembourg have obviously improved a lot. The Faroe Islands have improved a lot. Malta at the moment are one of these teams that you wouldn't thrash, but you would very uh you'd find it very hard to make a case for Malta really troubling England in any significant way. So you look at Malta lost like, you know, 2-0 to Italy, 2-1 to Macedonia in the Euro qualifiers, uh recently lost 1-0 to Ireland, as I'm sure Barry will, will tell you. So, you know, they're not they're not a bad side. They're they're organised. Um they've got an Italian manager, not a particularly well known or enormously successful manager, Michele Marcolini. Um he took over from uh, a more well known Italian manager who went out under a a cloud after a, uh, a scandal, uh, Davis Manja. Um, and they've sort of created a, a very solid, functional team with a couple of interesting players, one of whom is actually Notts County's Jody Jones, who's, who's on the wing, who um, is actually a really talented, decent player. But again, when you look at an England side coming over, it, it, it has sort of two or three nil feel to it, but it doesn't have six or seven nil. It's not it's not a San Marino fixture. And I see sometimes people paint Malta still in that same light. And I think it's just a hangover from where Malta were, you know, ten years ago. It takes people a bit of time to adapt to the fact that nations like the Fair Islands, for example, are not the Fair Islands with the guy with the bobble hat playing in goal, you know. Things have evolved over over time. But you know, they are still 172nd in the world. So yeah, I would imagine even a very hungover Grealish will probably still uh, would be able to play against them if they force him to do it.
3: <laughs> um, Mark, you have uh, intel on Jody Jones.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went to school with his dad. Um, yeah, uh, Jay. Um, so I mean, I've always um sort of just thought because he sort of came through sort of Dagnum, um, uh, which isn't too far from where. I, I live so it was and he was seen as a, a big star there and at Coventry as well I think you know things would have gone better for him but free ACL um injuries is you know just absolutely just so cruel on on anyone really but to to bounce back to have the strength Character to be able to bounce back from that, score the really important playoff goal, um, you know, for for Notts County in that semi final, then um, scored a, a penalty in the the shootout win over Chesterfield. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's going to be great uh, occasion for him. So yeah, it was it's me, um, Jody Jones, his, his dad, Ledley King, and Dizzy Rascal um, from the that sort of represent blessed John Roach School, R.I.P. No longer around. Nice.
3: Oh really? Um, that's great. And we're, Barry Barry did is very delighted that you made the Wikipedia entry for notable alumni of your school.
4: Yeah, well, it's uh, the former Irish Prime Minister Brian Cowan, uh, Willie Mullins, the racehorse trainer, uh, one of the best in the world. Uh, quite a few rugby players, a few hurlers, and me. So it's not bad
3: at all. I was devastated to not not be on the Hills Road Sixth Form College alumni list, which does include Tim Key, of course, who's brilliant, um, and uh, listens to the pod, so hello, Tim. And uh, uh, one member of G4. Uh, I've got I mean, one member of G4. Were they on, like, X Factor 10 or something? Like, <laughs> if, was, if one quarter of G4 is there, surely that, you know, you can't con- control these things. Um, and uh, Paul, any, I mean... We did discuss this before the pod. Yeah. Notable alumni, yes.
0: I'm, I'm not, as I say, I'm not even the most notable alumni in my family. So I'd say my brother is probably the, uh, <laughs> the He's obvious there. one. I, I am very much the Phil Neville, and I have to, I've had to live with that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Barry Roy Smith made quite an interesting point on Five Live about you know this this idea that that could Gareth Southgate copy what Pep has done with John Stones. Um, I mean, multiple ways. Not necessarily the game. That, I mean, it's a good game to try it, right? Because it is just multi
4: I have seen people wonder, should uh, Gareth Southgate do that, try John Stones in midfield, and why not? He he has excelled in the role for Manchester City. I just wonder, is there any particular need for Gareth Southgate to, to play John Stones in midfield? I, I don't know, or in that sort of hybrid role. Uh, but, but, yeah, these are probably the games to try it in if if, if it's something he wants to do. I, I would
5: think there's one person that doesn't want him to sort of do that hybrid role, and that'd be Harry Maguire, who would suddenly find himself in the Ruben Diaz role, all alone, um, potentially with two or three sort of um, not necessarily in the multi game, but as, as England sort of progress hopefully through um, the Euros against some rather talented forwards. Uh, I yeah, you know, I think you you've got to be of a certain mind, I think, to be able to create the kind of tactics that. Pep Guardiola doesn't. I'm not sure that Gareth Southgate um, could just copy that. I don't think you can just say, you know, just do what you do for Manchester City to John Stones because there are ten other players that um, all play roles with within that that allow Stones to to step forward. You know, it, it requires um, you know, Nathan Ake to, to do his thing and Rodri to do his so and you know Bernardo Silva and all the rest of them. So I I don't think it's it's that simple. And you rarely see anybody try anything clever um internationally these days. And in terms of midfielders, we just spoke about Bellingham and you've got Declan Rice a, as well. I, I I don't think there is a huge need to um try to get too creative um with all. I I love when I saw John Stone's the FA Cup final at Wembley it was, it was an absolutely like, brilliant performance. And, you know, I love watching him for Manchester City. I, I just think England and Manchester City are two um, quite different beasts.
3: Okay, Gareth, don't bother. Uh, <laughs> we, we don't want change. Uh, just quarterfinals of the Euros, please. Out, Unlucky, but defeat in the quarterfinals. And that'll do. All right,
1: that'll do for part one. Uh, part two, we'll look at the other home nations. Finding your perfect home was hard.
3: Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, hopefully, we can uh, plug the Guardian Football Weekly book slightly better than we did yesterday. <laughs> uh, I think we probably put everybody off. Features contributions from all your favourite Football Weekly regulars, including Mark Langdon's World of Meat and Paul Watson's World of Football. Uh, <laughs> so you know your specialities. And we we missed a trick not having Barry Barry's big explainer on the nation's league. But anyway, you, <laughs> you pre-order of the Guardian bookshop. That would have certainly filled few pages. It would have done. Pre-order on The Guardian Bookshop. You'll get 20% off. It's out on the 28th of September. Link is in the description of the podcast. Um, And uh, I believe it's my pinned tweet as well. Uh, Barca Jim says, uh, will you have time to patronise Scotland in this pod? It's always Max's time to shine. He's a master of the craft. Uh, They play Norway on Saturday, Georgia on Tuesday night. Um, they the top of their group after beating Spain, Barry, which I had completely forgotten. Uh,
4: Yeah, I hadn't forgotten that because I I remember watching that game. Um, I was on my holidays in Alicante and I watched it in a bar largely full of blue rinse expats and and me and everyone was very surprised that Scotland won the game. But they won it and they deserved to win. Uh, Top of the group, six points. And so they travelled to Norway on Saturday, Big question is, can they contain Erling Haaland? Um, Norway, obviously, have Martin Odegaard as well. Alexander Sorlos, who's, who's had a good season on loan at Real Sociedad. And it's very much a must-win game for Norway if they're to you know, stay in the race for qualification from this group. But it's been a brilliant start by, by Scotland. They think they're without Shea Adams for this game. He's injured. So Lyndon Dykes will probably start up front, unlikely to call, prompt as much terror in the Norwegian defensive ranks as his opposite number will in the Scottish defensive ranks. And then they've got Georgia on Tuesday. I'm not going to claim to know a great deal about them, but I do know they've only lost one of their last 14, and they have that uh, fella from Napoli playing for them who's who's you know quite good. Yeah, do you want to tell us who that is? <laughs> Uh, why don't you tell us, Max? <laughs> no, no, honestly, no, no. ask you. Kvaratskvili.
0: <laughs> reckon you got a better chance of write You got a better chance of writing it in Georgian script, probably, than saying it. <laughs> I'd say.
4: is it? Yeah, Kvartzelia? I don't...
3: Yeah, Cavatelli. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who is a one? Who's a wonderful Brilliant. player? There are
0: letters there that are unaccounted for. I swear. When you see it written, then it it just comes out really smooth, like Cavatelli. I I swear, there's no way that's what's written there. But
4: you you should come to my pub and take up a chair and just if anyone needs help <laughs> pronouncing his name. When's the Georgia game
3: Tuesday? I guess we could do that. I mean, if you have any intel, uh, Paul. Now's a great great time. Norway, obviously, Norway are too well known for you. I'm afraid.
0: They are. They're a bit above my pay grade. And in fact, when Georgia recently played Mongolia in a friendly, I was looking at Georgia as a bit mainstream, really. I was the Mongolia expert. But um, I, I would say, you know, Georgia are, for me, that's that's the real test of, of Scotland and how far they've progressed. And I think, was it 2007 and 2015, I think Georgia were the ones who who stood in the way of Scotland and, and sort of scuppered their chances. And if anything, this Georgia side... Has just improved and improved. I don't. I don't think it's fair to sort of say they're a, they're a one man team. They obviously have that threat of Kavasselia up front, but they are actually a, a pretty well rounded unit. And I think, um, I think to be honest, they are probably the bigger threat to Scotland in certain regards because Scotland are going to be expected to, to sort of go and and take the game to them, and that's going to suit Georgia very well. I think. Um. So I I would I would say personally that um yeah it's the biggest test of of Scotland's progress and their credentials is can they can they manage this Georgia side that have the potential to just basically be a sort of uh just sit back wait and then hit and and um with Cavatselia there I would I would really be worried about how Scotland are going to manage that and I think they'll put a lot of attention into Norway because it's obvious and then Georgia might be the one that that unseat them.
5: I just wonder if Barca Jim and all the other Scotland fans have been sort of watching Erling Haaland sort of drinking progress uh, over the last few days he, he didn't look that many pints behind um, Jack Grealish um, with some of the celebrations I don't know if I'm doing him a disservice but obviously um you know Haaland being fully fit and fully focused and um maybe not being um, in, in such a state is going to be I think key really for um, for for both nations and I was just having a look Haaland actually doesn't play that many games for Norway um, he's only played he's only played 23 times he's got 21 goals in 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 that period but like Odegaard's got got double the caps and he's only sort of slightly older so um, you know ha- Haaland maybe you know, nor Norway need to get the Man City Harland sort of up and running as best they can. Obviously, not as easy when the service isn't as as good as what it is at City. But he he's obviously the um, transformative player for them, and whether he's fully up for it, we we won't know until he lines up. Does Haaland actually drink? I, he he
4: strikes me as the kind of guy who wouldn't touch a drop. Like his idea no, of man. a celebration would be having. A few cubes less than usual in his ice bath.
5: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he was just he. He looked, he looked. He was full of beans. Maybe, maybe, maybe he wasn't on the booze, but he. Um, he was. Um, yeah, he, he was definitely enjoying the celebration.
3: I mean, twenty-two. Like you, you forget a hangover. Just you've got to be. You've got to really blitz it to not be able to have a kick about after. Yeah. You when you're twenty two years old, it is different. I remember playing one Sunday League game, and the centre back absolutely reeked of booze. And he went off the pitch and just threw up. So he just didn't want to be, you know. And I he sort of don't want to be marked by that player anymore. And 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 I was just like, oh, you know, heavy night. And he said, oh, no, it's just this collar is really tight. Which I thought was a great, you don't have to lie to me, mate. It's all right. Anyway, Wales are in Group D. Uh, they're level on points with Croatia at the top. Turkey on uh, a point behind on three. Armenia and Latvia make up the rest of the group. Uh, they play Armenia. On Friday night, Turkey on Monday. Um they've started this group pretty well, Baz, haven't they? Um of course Turkey Turkey could be the dark horses, of course, uh, of of this group. Um uh, uh, <laughs> and then the sort of post the post bail I was gonna say Ramsey era, but he's the captain, isn't he? Yeah.
4: No, <laughs> oh, Ramsey's still there, yeah. Um Ramsey did the press conference yesterday, I think, and there's a lot of speculation about his future because his contract is about to expire at Nice, which I'd kind of forgotten he was there, if I'm honest. And there's talk linking him with a return to Cardiff City, but he was very non-committal about what the future holds for him. But Wales, obviously, there was delirium when they qualified for the World Cup. Then they had a very disappointing World Cup uh, in Qatar. Uh, just proved a few matches too far for some of their more senior players, and um, but they've got off got off to a brilliant start to this qual- set of qualifiers with a draw away to Croatia, which I don't think anyone was expecting them to get. Uh, they beat Latvia, and, they, you know, looking at their squad, there's, there's good players there, despite uh, Gareth Bale having gone, and who, who else is... Joe Allen. Joe Allen, yeah, he retired. No, Gunter. Uh, oh, Chris Gunter, Gunter, Gunter retired, returns, that's um. it. So Nico Williams, Ramsey, Brennan Johnson, Ben Davis are all there. Uh, David Brooks is back in the squad, which is nice to see for the first time in, in two years uh, since he got the all clear from his Hodgkin's lymphoma. And Tom Lockyer is unavailable after his collapse during the Championship playoff final. So he you would imagine would be a bit of a loss. But um, yeah, I think Wales... That draw against Croatia has really put a spring in their step because I think people were a bit concerned after their pool showing in Qatar. Armenia, Paul.
0: Yes. <laughs> now, Armenia are an interesting case, I think, because um, it's not that long ago they lost 9-0 to Norway. This was like March 22, and they were at a real low ebb. Uh, they've got a new manager, uh, relatively new, took over in January, uh, Oleksandr Petrikov. And he's an interesting character. He's um, Ukrainian and didn't flee Kiev uh, when the Russians uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine started. In fact, tried to uh, fight, tried to join the, the Ukrainian resist, but wasn't allowed because of his age. Um, so he's a pretty tough character. Um, and then signed up to take over Armenia in January. Uh, and since then, um, there's sort of a sign of progress. They only lost 2-1 to Turkey. And they've got this new striker who is pretty exciting, sort of a a wide striker called Grant Leon Ranos. Um And he is 19 years old and he made his debut against Cyprus. I uh, came on as he scored, I think he started, he scored two goals within eight minutes. So um, Armenia being a team that are not known for their goal scoring capabilities has suddenly got this kind of wonder kid who has just signed for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how he gets on. But the, the biggest problem with Armenia is they are... Um, they, have, they play a sort of, uh, I guess, a 3-4-3 three, three formation, but uh, they've got seven centre-backs in their squad. So they are enormously heavy in certain areas and very sparse in others. So I wouldn't expect Wales to be scared by them, but I, I will be interested to see how Ranos gets on. I'll be interested to see if maybe this is a slightly more resilient Armenia than, than we've had in the past.
3: Ben Fisher joins us on Tuesday live and direct from Turkey. Uh, group H, Northern Ireland's group, they are second bottom. Uh, 1-1, lost one. 11 points with Finland and Kazakhstan and Denmark. So, I mean, they're arguably they're joint second as well. Uh, Slovenia top of the group, San Marino bottom. They played Denmark on Friday, Kazakhstan on Monday. Richard says public service announcement. Denmark are wearing their beautiful 1986 Hummel kits against Northern Ireland tomorrow. Uh, Northern Ireland despite being back with Adidas and it being a lovely tribute to the late great Billy Bingham are not matching them also uh, there are four unemployed players who've been released from their clubs in the Northern Ireland squad and one who's never played a senior game of men's football but apart from that we're in great
4: shape Northern Ireland their squad it's it's a real mixed bag so they like premier league players who don't play in the premier league either because they're not getting picked or because they've been shipped out on loan like Conor Bradley from Liverpool, full-back, had a very successful season on loan at Bolton, uh, whose striker Dion Charles is also in the squad. He had a good season with Bolton in in League One. Uh, Sunderland right-back Trey Hume is in the squad. He was brilliant this season for for Sunderland. Uh, Dale Taylor spent the season on loan at Burton Albion from from Nottingham Forest. Then there's George Savile, who played regularly for Millwall, uh, who had a great season. And Man City's, uh, the youngster from Man City, Shea Charles, who's Northern Ireland's big, big hope for the future. He obviously hasn't really got a look in at City this season, but has spent time training with the senior squad and has excelled in previous performances for Northern Ireland. Uh, I'm not sure how many he's made. Isaac Price, another one. uh, He was at Everton, didn't get a look in. And has now moved to Standard Liège in the last few weeks, and so you've you've got a mixture of players from not you know non-playing Premier League players, Championship, League One. I think there's a couple in Scotland and a handful from the, the league in Northern Ireland. So very much a a a, a hodgepodge of talent.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I just think from Denmark's point of view, they were one of the one of the biggest disappointments, I think, of the World Cup. Um, the way but they just never really performed at all in in their three matches and there was some suggestion that players and the fans had that great connection for from the Euros there had been just I, I suppose because of um, the build up to Qatar and you know the players um, you know looking to take a stance but then it never really developed beyond that and that there was a lot of criticism I think um, in certain sections about kind of the responsibility that they had um, you know um, with regards to human rights and maybe didn't stand up enough um to that. Um and that they just didn't perform at the World Cup. I don't I mean you can sometimes very easy afterwards to just put those connections together. It might have just been three bad football matches from them. But um Lindstrom, um player who plays in um the Bundesliga, I think will eventually end up playing um in the Premier League's been linked with quite a few um of sort of the um, big guns already, so he, he might be one to watch out for.
4: And Denmark have already been beaten in this group by Kazakhstan which I suspect is a result few saw coming. Republic
3: of Ireland played Greece on Friday, Gibraltar on Monday um, uh, before we go to Paul for uh, Gibraltar updates. Barry, you revealed on yesterday's pod you played the role of expert. The way producer Joel has written that is it's a very much a theatrical performance <laughs> uh, on on, uh, on a Greek football podcast. Did you hang about on the podcast enough to to find out what Greece would offer uh, uh, your
4: boys? I think we arrived at the conclusion that both teams are fairly evenly matched. They're similar places in the rankings. This is a must-win game for both. It's a f- horrible group. France, the Netherlands are obviously expected to go through, but we've already established that the Netherlands are rubbish or probably will finish beneath gibraltar so there could be a place up for grabs. Greece have... The safety net of a Nations League playoff place to fall back on, if they uh, things don't go well for them in this group, and that's not a, a safety net Ireland have to to enjoy or look forward to. So I I think this is a a huge game. Um, do you know who the manager of Greece is, Max? Is it Stelios Janikopoulos? Nope. Is it? It is Gus Poirier. It's Gus Poirier. Oh, Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, Ireland, in their last two campaigns, they've lost their opening two matches. So, uh, missed out on the World Cup. In that campaign, they lost to Serbia and then Luxembourg in their opening two games. In the Nations League, they lost to Armenia and and the sort of make-do-and-mend Ukraine team, which was hastily cobbled together for obvious reasons. And they've already lost their opener against France in this group uh, at the Aviva, but played incredibly well in that game. And it looked like Stephen Kenny, after a long, long time, is, his message is finally getting across. I was hugely impressed with Ireland's performance again in that game. They lost 1-0, but were excellent. So, But this is a really is a must-win game. Away at Greece, and it kind of has a draw written all over it. And then Gibraltar, pool. So yeah,
0: Gibraltar, um, they are playing all their games away from home at the moment, which is uh, getting rid of that huge, famously (laughs) uh, intense Gibraltarian home atmosphere. Um,
3: Why why are they doing that?
0: Because they're building a new, uh, well, they're redoing their stadium. And it's caused quite a lot of controversy, partly because... Uh, it's going to be quite a lot bigger, I think, this new stadium than people believe it needs to be. Like, it doesn't seem like... I thought you
3: were going to say it's going to be bigger than Gibraltar.
0: <laughs> well, possibly. Quite, so I think it's going to be able to hold a number that people are saying is is kind of crazy for for Gibraltar. Um, but it's caused actually a lot of controversy as well because, uh, quite shamefully, the Gibraltar FA pulled out the Gibraltar women's team from the Nations League, from the Women's Nationless League. And uh, one of the reasons cited seemed to be finances but obviously huge sums of money are going into the men's team and are going into this stadium. And one of the arguments they said was that the women's team weren't ready to compete, but obviously the Nations League is set up in such a way that you play against teams of a similar level. And also it's very hard to get to that level unless you compete, so yeah, not, things are not particularly um not good noises in Gibraltar at the moment uh so if they upset france that would be uh that would certainly take the pressure off a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think it will happen not to, to ruin my uh, my um, my minnow credentials, but I don't think it's going to ah, it
3: would be great um uh, before we end part two, just to send our best wishes to the friends and, and family of John Hollins, former Chelsea player and manager who's passed away at the age of 76. He made almost 600 appearances as a player, scoring 64 times in two spells at Stamford Bridge between 1963 and 1984. Lifted the FA Cup, the Cup Winners' Cup, the League Cup uh, during his first stint at the club, uh, leaving in 1975, returning eight years later to help them earn promotion from the second tier. Was appointed uh, manager in 85 and stayed there for three years. As well, so uh, yeah. Best wishes to uh, the people who know John Hollands and Chelsea fans, who of course uh, he will have left a lasting impact on. And that'll do for part two. We'll be back in a second.
2: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration Event right now. Get twenty percent below MSRP for an average of fifteen thousand one seventy eight under MSRP on the purchase of a twenty twenty three Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland four by e or Summit four by e.
3: Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Before we uh, analyse the uh, Premier League fixtures that are just out, Paul, some other games. We mentioned Mongolia-Vanuatu in the WhatsApp group. That is a, that is a big one.
0: That's a big one. That is the big one. It's, it's, it's your, they, they don't come much bigger. The old rivalry, Mongolian vanuatu So they're playing in the...
3: Do they travel well, Vanuatu? <laughs>
0: Actually, they're, they're not they're not a bad side Vanuatu, but it's an interesting little cup. So it's the Intercontinental Cup being played at the moment in India, and it's India, Lebanon, Mongolia, and Vanuatu. Uh, and there are some slightly weird, um, well, not weird, but some slightly interesting mixtures of teams playing at the moment. One of the funniest ones that I just saw was uh, uh, about a tough place to go and get a result is is, is always a good cliche. Is that um, there's a four team tournament going on in Mauritius at the moment with uh, Kenya, Pakistan, Mauritius, and Djibouti and uh, Kenya defaulted their game against Djibouti because their national airline changed the flight schedule so they couldn't get there in time. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> surely you can move kickoff,
3: surely, can't you?
0: You'd have, you'd have thought someone somewhere could have worked out a way to get them there. But yeah, they just, uh, they just had to say, well, tough one, that, but we've lost 3-0.
3: <laughs> Mauritius, is a and that's not a bad place for a sort of... I don't know if it's mid-season or end-of-season tournament, but you know I wouldn't mind following that one. Um, and you are going to Micronesia soon for their first ever futsal tournament.
0: Yes, so uh, I've been helping organise this. The Federated States of Micronesia, one of only uh, six nations on Earth that are not part of a FIFA confederation. Um, Two of those are Monaco and Vatican City, and they're not likely to go anywhere soon. Um, So the Federated States of Micronesia doesn't have a lot of opportunity for competition. So we've set up a, a futsal tournament between the four islands that make up Micronesia, and they are separated by thousands of miles to two of them are separated by thousands of miles so it's a really unlikely event to have to have set up and it's um it's actually been made possible by selling these football shirts uh, that are made by a company called stings in this country and they're beautiful football shirts for each of the islands that represent their kind of culture um and yeah i've been hawking those <laughs> i've sold about sold about 650 yeah have. i've personally packaged and sold you sent me yeah. one
3: so you sent, sent me one. I did pay for oh, it. Yeah. So
0: you thing. insisted on paying for it, to be fair to you. Um, I, I offered you a freebie and you refused, which is very noble of you.
3: What shirt have I got? I've got this red, a red shirt with sort of black. Uh, lions and a, and a bird, a beautiful yeah. bird. Yeah, so you,
0: you sure. have a Kosh Rai shirt. Now that is, um, it's an island of 6,000 people and they entered this competition. The first time they've ever entered any football or futsal event and they entered in the start of the year in January, said that the competition in June, they said, yeah, yeah, we want to enter. We've got one problem. we don't have a football. So that, that's <laughs> Kosh Rai, that's the shirt you've got. We had to send them a football and because it, it's one of the most remote islands in the world, it took us three months to get them a football, uh, to get one sent over there. But they are still entering this competition as probably the, the biggest underdogs in history, except they have a kid called Kenny Aldana, who is an American uh, college collegiate player. And he started this whole thing because he's from, he's of Kosh Rine Heritage, never been there, but he, he, his dad's from there. And he uh, basically started this whole thing by, by contacting me and saying, how can I play for Federated Stakes, how can I play for Kosh Rai? And I said, well, look, there just isn't a team. And so he personally has been on Facebook Finding Kosh Ryans in this tiny island, Brilliant. saying, Look, we're going to play. I'm coming out on this date and we're going to play football. And they're just sort of saying, Yeah, all right, <laughs> Fine. let's give it a go. So,
3: so, so the team is sort of like, I mean, uh, what, what he arrives and what says, Look, wh- where do you play? What position are you? That kind of thing. Is he, is he running the, the, the side,
0: well, there is a coach as well. There's a guy called right, okay. Chris, Chris Diao who is, um, he's a Solomon Islander and he's on Kosh Rai, so he's trying to like champion support for this thing. It's an amazing, it's a really unique so story, great. yeah. It's a really unique story, um, and um, yeah, it's it. it you can follow all of this. Um, I actually mentioned it quite a lot. I'm going to do a shameless plug for my podcast. I do a podcast with uh, Lee Wingate, which is about weird and wonderful, odd football stories, everything from uh ajasio leaving their player behind after the team coach left last week in france all the way to kazakhstani away days the longest away days in the world uh again stuff like micronesian football uh friendly between guiana and martinique being called off for a punch-up all these kind of things all these weird and wonderful little stories um it's called the sweeper and it's at the uh, at sweeper pod on twitter uh and yeah we'll be doing i'll be covering everything from micronesia i'll be out there uh, if the flights will take me, I'll be out there and um. When is it? back, it's uh it starts on July the eighth, finishes on July the fifteenth.
3: That's great. And to get there is a mission.
0: Yeah, it's it's a couple of days. It's about thirty eight hours of flying uh to get there, and that's if you're lucky. I remember don't once, take
3: a toddler would be my recent experience.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. God, I mean, I remember the the one one time I flew out to Micronesia, and uh, I thought it'd take a bit longer than it should do. We landed and uh, I was ready to get off and we were on the wrong island. And I said, quite understandably, said, well, why are we here? And the, the, they were very kind They said, oh, we overflew. I was like, what do you mean we overflew? And apparently it's so normal that it can be so rainy and because they're the shortest runways in the world, it can be so rainy, too dangerous to land. They just land on the next available island. Oh, <laughs> and great. for them, it wasn't a big deal. They were like, oh, we'll get back there soon. But I was like, what? <laughs> That'd be very English. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you overflew?
3: <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like if you overfly an island. I think it's great that you've landed on another island. I would say this is a really, this, I would take the positives. Can people
4: still buy these shirts? They're they're really beautiful. They can.
0: Yeah, they absolutely can. Uh I have a limited number left. They are in my living room. So my wife will be delighted uh, if people do find them. If you find me on Twitter, I'm at Paul underscore C underscore Watson and I'll, um, I will package it up and my very friendly postman will will come and collect it with a look of disdain on his face again.
3: (laughs) Um, Two more prosaic matters. The Premier League fixtures have been announced 22 minutes ago. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been... Slightly looking at them uh, since... I have. Yeah, so, uh, yeah me too. So, um, me too. I mean, I was listening to you, Paul, but, you know, That's right, these, That's uh, <laughs> these bastards. I can <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh, so, the Premier League kicks off on Friday, the 11th of August. Uh, the Champions Manchester City go to Vincent Companies Burnley. Uh, it's a good start. Early kickoff on Saturday is Arsenal, Nottingham Forest. And then you have Bournemouth, West Ham, Brighton, Luton, Everton, Fulham, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, and Newcastle, Aston Villa, the 5.30 game. And the two games on the Sunday, Brentford Spurs and Chelsea Liverpool with Manchester United Wolves are at 8 o'clock on the Monday night. That's quite a... Barry, that's quite a fun opening round of
4: fixtures, isn't it? It is, yeah. Definitely. I mean, fans of... Chelsea or Liverpool could be plunged into crisis after one game it's, which it makes things very exciting it's quite a super Sunday to start with Brentford Spurs and Chelsea Liverpool um, yeah and and Luton's first game back as you say is away at Brighton which is a tough assignment but one suspects most of Luton's assignments next season will be tough um,
3: uh, Mark I don't know how far you've looked down Have uh, got anything to pick out for us
5: well just in terms of luton uh they don't actually play a team that's in the champions league i noticed until november the 11th so um they kind of it's not i suppose the worst start you know they haven't sometimes you get like a newly promoted team and they've got you know four of the big six straight up and then sometimes oh that's the best time to play them but you, you, you want to try to you know I think build into the season and feel like you belong in it, and that can be difficult if if you're right up against it. So there is, I suppose, an opportunity there um, for Luton not to be overawed, um, but by some of the early um, opponents. Uh, Max, I was looking. Um, you know, I know you're a big fan of Ange Koglu, uh, so uh, and uh, anybody that follows, um, you know, I've just heard it, every Celtic fan just a uh, shoot says, "Oh no, you, you'll have a bad start." Uh, you know, you've got to expect a bad start. So it's Manchester United. Um, second up um, for, for for Ange. So, um, but but realistically, uh, Brentford, Man United, Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United, um, you know, isn't the worst start for, for Ange. And then then anyway, and you know for, for, from there, just onwards and upwards.
3: The fixtures will happen. We'll talk about them. That's how this all works. Um, uh, the BBC and ITV have agreed a deal with FIFA to broadcast the Women's World Cup in the UK. I think we all thought it would happen. Uh, but it's good that it finally has. Uh, Just five weeks before the tournament begins on the 20th of July, our friend Jenny Infantino had threatened a European TV blackout because today I feel like I care about women's rights. Um, uh, England's uh, first play in Brisbane on the 22nd of July against Haiti. Uh, All 64 matches for the tournament uh, broadcast in the UK, either on BBC or on ITV. The final will be on both on the 20th of August. Um, Right, let's uh, uh, do some... And finally, stuff on Southampton players after Ricky Lambert's Great Awakening. Uh, Jim says, having just seen this on Slack at work, I don't know what Slack is. It's like some sort of.
5: It's a chat. It's a sort of instant messaging oh, cha- right. channel for corporate businesses and tech people.
3: Uh, he says, uh, new FY. Is that financial year? New financial year. New you? Question mark. God. Uh, the, the agony of that. Anyway, learn how to bring your A game with Francis Benali." Former professional footballer, drawing on a 16-year career career as a professional footballer combined with the epic ultra-endurance challenges he's taken on since retiring. Uh, He knows the importance of a well-functioning team. In this talk, Franny will arm you with the appropriate tools to recognise the strengths you bring to your team and how you can build upon them to create a winning formula. Now, I'm normally sceptical of these things, Barry, and quite sceptical of some Southampton former players,
4: but Franny Benali is one of the good good guys, isn't he? Oh, very much so, and I I would... I think I could, there are many times in life I could do with a pep talk from Franny Benali. Yeah, there, isn't it Franny Benali? There's, there's some, you find old Panini stickers of him in very strange places.
5: Yeah, it's very much a Southampton thing that the fans um, put the, uh, you know, if they go on holiday to probably some of the you know places that, that Paul was talking about earlier, you might well find a, a Franny Benali um, Panini sticker somewhere.
3: Barry says, a pedantic point on the discussion joke about which way Jonathan Wilson would be in football journalism on the turn of professionalism in the 1880s. He mentioned the pigeons at Manchester United. Surely he means Newton Heath. Yes, very good. If you are going to pick someone up on that, you should pick Jonathan Wilson up on it. Uh, Kay says, were the new dog food adverts in Sunday's pod advertising advertising that they contain raw meat aimed specifically at Mark Langdon. Uh, I would even say Mark. I, I,
5: I, you've got to draw the line somewhere, haven't you, Max? Uh, we, we might. I'm glad I'm bringing business to, to the pond.
3: Yeah, no, that is great. Um, uh, Charlie says, have you considered the implications of taking a break on listeners who are maybe having a summer vasectomy? It's a very good point. And so look, we'll keep trotting these out. Uh, we'll be back uh, on uh, Monday uh, after uh, look back at the weekend's England games and then England play on Monday night. We're back on Tuesday and then a few life and times, uh, including... Uh, uh, Troy Townsend, Nikki Bandini. Looking forward to both of those as well. But that'll do for today. Thank
0: you, Paul. Thank you very much. It's my birthday as well, oh. by the way. So happy for me birthday! Everybody. Yeah, well, that's how I would love. I've celebrated it in, in the way that I, I like to celebrate it by being on football. What age are you turning? Uh, today, I'm 39, Paul? so I'm still a journeyman. I reckon. I, yeah. Or player manager. I'm, a, I'm entering player manager territory.
3: What I would do to be 39. Um, um, anyway, <laughs> have a great day. Uh, uh, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Max. Uh, cheers, Barry. Thank you for Weekly weekly produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Christian Bennett.
0: This is the Guardian.